Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Everyone around the world, once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. We spoke with them by Zoom Monday, May 2nd. We focused on the historic fight between Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano this past Saturday night at a packed Madison Square Garden, and also how the legal net is closing in on Daniel Kinahan and the Kinahan Organized Crime Group. Here is that discussion. Welcome back to the War Room, my beautiful people. It is May 2nd. Oh my God, I can't believe it. It's been a minute since we've recorded, but we are back in the war room and I am here with my co-host, Mr. Eddie Goldman. He is an award-winning sports journalist and my girl, Melissa Smith. She is a women's boxing historian. And look, before we do anything, I need you guys to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you guys can stay tuned and be notified whenever we drop another video. Now, we are gonna talk about the most exciting fight that I've seen in a minute out of Madison Square Garden featuring two powerhouse women boxers, okay? These are female boxers that brought the heat. And we're talking about Taylor, Serrano. And in my honest opinion, I just watched that fight just now before we signed on. And it is my honest opinion that Serrano won that fight. I don't know how they gave that fight to Katie Taylor. And I need somebody to explain to me how to score a fight properly, because I don't know shit about boxing. And when I see somebody get beat up in their face bloody, like Katie Taylor and some face was bloody, I just automatically assume she lost the fight. But apparently, <laughs> that's not how it works you in boxing. No. You score it round by round. You don't round by round. Round, 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 round by round. So look, uh, uh, Melissa, you were there. In Madison Square Garden, I saw you with that picture. Tell us about that. I know it was a, a, an amazing experience. Tell us about it. I, I, well, yeah, you know, I was in Madison Square Garden. I, I got to tell you, I was teary from the moment I walked in to the moment I left. It was just such an overwhelming opportunity. This is the first time in 140 years of history at Madison Square Garden that two women headlined the main event in the main arena at Madison Square Garden. And it was a big friggin' deal. It was a very big deal. And not only was it a big deal to be there amongst almost 20,000 people shouting at the loudest I have ever heard it. I mean, it made a rock concert sound silent. 
And when everybody in that auditorium started, that arena started singing Sweet Caroline, I was down on my knees from the noise alone, never mind my emotions. It's like, oh, this is what it's like to be in England to watch Exactly. But beyond that, you know, everybody took it seriously. Madison Square Garden put a huge effort into promoting it, into making tickets available for people to see. They flew in, um, had, you know, really heavy duty fighters from the history of the sport, like Christy Martin, Layla Ali was there. Um, Lucia Riker was there. I mean, all the really heavy duty. And, and my girl, my sis, Marion Lady Tiger Trimier was there. Wow, I saw that picture. And she, you know, she is a serious pioneer in the sport. She was boxing in the 70s. She was one of the first three women to get a boxing license in New York City in 1978 and had started the whole thing because Madison Square Garden had come to her and Jackie uh, Jackie Tanner wanted to say, hey, we want to start to promote women in the sport. Unfortunately, in 1975, they weren't able to get their licenses. Things moved on. And now here we were on Saturday night main event amazing amazing um so you had taylor it was a very packed card with really good fights um uh, the first notable one was uh, a young uh, australian fighter sky nicholson fought on the undercard like in the early part her fight before yeah she's an olympic gold medalist and she put on a show through her six rounders knocked out her opponent in the last round. So she really acquitted herself well. And then our lady, our girl, our hot mama, heavy hitting diva, Franchon Cruz Desern put on a show, boxed her heart out, best effort of her entire career to come away as undisputed super middleweight, um, title hover over uh, Elena uh, Sederus, a Swedish fighter who had actually defeated Alicia Napoleon, a New York mm-hmm. um, based super middleweight fighter to take the WBA title. But I got to tell you, you know, big mama was in there and she was like, no, mm-mm, you are not getting, you are not even going to touch me. And she just fought her heart out. Wow. And as I said, her best effort for t- 10 rounds. Right. Um, and then of course, um, you know, we did have a, a really big uh, fight between Liam Smith and Vargas and Liam Smith came back after, you know, everybody had written him off as a fighter. So that was really cool. And then, of course, the main event, Taylor Serrano, um, where over half the tickets sold were for people who came from Ireland and UK, mostly Ireland. Yeah. And the, where I was standing, everybody who was I was. Um, there for Taylor was from Ireland and had flown over to see the fight. They are some because die they hard. said, yeah, they're diehard. We cannot see her at home. Oh, and we're going right. to talk about why later with Kinahan exactly. and all that shite. But they were there to support her, and the the it was so loud you couldn't even hear the ref couldn't hear the bell. I mean, it was just loud. So yeah. okay, fight itself, fight itself was extraordinary. You're looking, you're talking about two women who are in the top three pound for pound. Now imagine this on the men's side, right? Two p- top three pound for pound fighters in the same weight class fighting each other to the death. That's what you have. And they Serrano came up, she moved up in weight to fight. Well, Katie. she she right now was a medalist at one, has a belts unified at 126. Mm-hmm. 
Serrano has been has seven belts in seven weight classes. She has been lightweight before. So yeah, she came up, but she's fought higher. She's fought right. at 140. You wow. know, women's boxing, you fight all over the place. Uh, Katie yeah. has fought at 140, but Katie is a natural lightweight. That is mostly where, that's where her entire amateur career was. That's where she won uh, an Olympic gold medal in 2012. Whereas Serrano, has been, you know, as, as light as a 118 all the way she's up small. to 40. Yeah, she's, she's not small. small. She's not small. She's I mean, compared to when I looked at her compared to Katie Taylor, she looks small. Yeah, though. she's lean, though. She's a lean yeah. machine. And, um, you know, she's right now, uh, as I said, a title holder at 126 unified, but she's been much higher. Right. So don't. So, yes, she did come up to weight classes to to fight her. But she had already had a fight at that, and she's already had a belt at lightweight. Okay. So right. let's just be a little sense. clear on that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so these are two enormously talented boxers who have come into the sport from different places. Katie Taylor had a remarkable um, amateur career that began as a nine-year-old girl pretending to be a boy. Wow. Uh, she put her hair up in a helmet and a hat, and nobody would know, and she fought as a boy. For, for years because it was illegal for women, even in girls to fight in the amateurs in Ireland. It wasn't until she was six, just about 16 when she had her first legal amateur bout. And it what came because she was such a phenomenal fighter that it kind of forced the hand of the amateur organization in Ireland to say, yeah, okay, 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 let's right. make it legal. And then she went on to have a phenomenal amateur career she was instrumental in being one of the women who really pushed uh, and fought for um, women's boxing to be included in the Olympics in 2012. She won a gold medal in 2012. She remained an amateur, continuing to win um, European titles and so on. And then um, after the 2016 Olympics, where she did fail to medal, she switched over to professional fights. Mm. And we know that she's... She was 20 and 0, undisputed, had um, lightweight and a super lightweight medal uh, champion as well, because she kind of took a break for a little while at lightweight. Um, and that's what she brought into it. Amanda Serrano only had two amateur fights in the Golden Gloves and won the Golden Gloves. So, <laughs> natural. You know, she's, she's a natural. natural. Her first fight was at the Hulu Theater. So she's had a long relationship with Madison Square Garden and she has fought there in the past. She defeated, she won her uh, featherweight bottle, um, her, she won her WBA belt at 126 against Heather Hardy at the Garden uh, in the Hulu Theater. Obviously not main event because there weren't any. So she's no stranger to um, Madison Square Garden. Neither is Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor won her undisputed there. Uh, on the undercard of the uh, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz card, uh, where she took the undisputed lightweight against when she defeated uh, Delphine Persoon the first time and, wow. and so on. So we all know that. So that's the stage coming into this, plus two, almost three years of trying to make a fight between them and a lot of ins and outs and issues and problems. But finally, uh, Jake Paul got involved I think we instead had of Kenahan, in the past. <laughs> yeah, instead of Kenahan, um, 
and he got involved in because he had he had met Amanda on an, on the undercard of his his fight oh, wow. when when she won her her last which right did her one of her belts and he started promoting uh, managing her and he was able to make the deal with Eddie Hearn and both women you know this is the big thing not only is it main event in the main room at Madison Square Garden but each woman is guaranteed a minimum of a million dollars and who knows where that'll end up right uh when all that's right show me the money baby show Show me me the the money money. and that was you know and that is what makes this unique women have earned a million dollars before most Mm -hmm. famously uh the german fighter regina hamlick has been earning was earning a million dollars in the aughts but um her opponents weren't in this case you had an equivalency Mm -hmm. both both of these women have uh guaranteed of at least a million dollars i don't know what that final number is going to look like and jake lost a million dollars betting her in a million dollars right well they can't really do it <laughs> right, for a million so it, now right. it's going to like he's going to star somebody right yeah. <laughs> tony blue or some some right, crap right. like that <laughs> anyway so on to the fight yeah wow so as as everybody knows women fight two million two minute rounds the championship are two times ten so 20 minutes the one thing about having two-minute rounds is, uh, as distinct from fighting 10 or 12 three-minute rounds, is this wall-to-wall action. It literally never stops from the minute the bell rings to the minute it ends because you just don't have a lot of time to get your work done, and right. you just keep going. And that is what happened in this fight. From the minute the bell rang to after the bell rang because the yeah. ref couldn't hear it and they were keeping going, they fought. Mm-hmm. And they fought hard. And it's, Amanda Serrano is a come forward fighter. She always has been. That's her thing. She's also very strong to the body. She mixes up her punches. She's a lot of one, two, but she'll also throw in beautiful hooks, mm-hmm. uh, overhand rights. And she is a come forward fighter. Katie Taylor uses a lot of lateral movement. She's comfortable on the back foot, meaning going backwards or going forwards. She does not have to be going forwards all the time. She's just as comfortable going backwards and getting off beautiful shots, beautiful combinations, and frustrating a fighter that's coming forward. In a way, she, you know, Pursun was uh, a, a fighter that she really had to learn that from because not only was Pursun a come forward fighter, but she was awkward. Now, Serrano, like Katie, is a boxer, not a fighter, but they were also fighting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Katie will fight. Katie will engage. She likes to fight. The people forget that about her. She oh, you really can tell it. she liked the fight. She, she likes stood to there fight. In the center of the ring. She will stand in the center of the wing. She won't give ground. So let's get to that one round where she was getting the shit kicked out of her. That happens in boxing. Mm. Doesn't mean it wins the fight. It means it wins the round. You know, and a person getting bloody in a round, getting dazed, if they survive it and they're clear-headed and they get to the next round and they're able to show the ref something, they keep going. Yeah, they're able to win a round or whatever. Right, and that's what where it was. And there wasn't even even that fifth round. There wasn't even a knockdown, although no, some you could argue that it could have been a 10-8 round. It should have been a 10-8 round because she was rocked. She was rocked, but she was up. I mean, 
And, you know, it was two minutes and she wasn't being abused the full two minutes. Okay. It was really oh, okay. just the last she got minute. Caught. Right. She got caught and then, and she got into the corner and she couldn't quite get out. So yeah, she clearly lost that round. Could you have made a 10, eight? Mm. I don't think it was, I don't think she was, she never lost consciousness. She may have been dazed, but she didn't, to me, it wasn't 10, eight, but it was a clear, like huge round for Amanda. Right, and you and also it, have to you also have to understand if you were watching the DAZN telecast that the DAZN announcers were heavily criticized for yes. being anti-Katie and pro Amanda Amanda Serrano, really bad. And the DAZN announcers, you had Todd Grisham, a guy they found from the WWE fake wrestling. You had uh, Mannix, a basketball writer. And then they did bring in a boxer, Jessica McCaskill, who had been defeated a couple of years ago by Katie Taylor. It, later afterwards, they, in, they spoke with Clarissa Shields, who they brought in, but for some reason didn't have her on the actual broadcast of the fight, which made no sense. And she gave a much more balanced uh, analysis uh, of the fight. If so, you could probably find that. Well, I need to hear that. Yeah, no, and, and really worth listening to because when, you know, the, her, how she, she talked about the Cruz Desern uh, fight was also a very good analysis. And yeah, Jessica McCaskill has an agenda. You know, she wants to fight her again and she wants her to lose. So there were some issues there. Um, you know, also Chris Mannix had given her like one like round, all <laughs> one round and that that did not compute with what everybody else was seeing. So that was also another, another issue. Me, I had, I had her for the first three rounds, losing the next four, had her in, up in the last three, and that got me six, four. I didn't necessarily see how she got seven rounds to three, but I got her at six to four comfortably. That having been said, I could see how you could say, hmm, eighth round, maybe somebody with a different view or looking at it a little differently, maybe gives eight to Serrano, maybe gives first to Serrano. If you're doing that, then you get six, four the other way. I wasn't unhappy with the six, four Serrano, the nine, you know, the, the other way was a little, to me, a little more than I saw, but I also found it interesting that the, they chose to have international judges and a Canadian ref. It was not a New York crew in there. Every other fight on the card was from the New York crew. Because they didn't want Serrano to win. No, I, no, I don't the, know. The, the, no, New it wasn't New that. York, New York you know, officials would be biased and are generally pretty uh, incompetent, particularly given the size yeah. of New York and the commission. <laughs> There's been issues with New York judges on scoring. They're corrupt then. Everybody's well, I don't corrupt. know. I, I, I'm not going to say that because, you know, listen, John McKay, who, who did, who was a uh, judge for two of the fights, he's a great guy. You know, he's oh. a really good judge. He's, he does Las Vegas fights. He does. You but know, they brought all those guys in. So they, so it'd be a fair. They judging. wanted fair judging. Okay. They wanted it to be. Above the New York fray, right? Which could also that go Amanda. Sense. It could go Katie's way too. She's popular in New York, 
she's got a real standing in Madison Square Garden. You know, yeah, there's a huge that's Irish home. community there. Yeah, yeah, that's her home. As much as you know, she's fought there as many times as Serrano. Right? She's got a big fan base. So, I I just found that interesting because you know Sparkle Lee, who's first female ref in New York State. Um, she uh, she's done a lot of the women's prize fights. I really figured she'd do uh, that she'd fight be in the ring. Right. But the now they went the with somebody you know from Canada, very well known, very reputable ref, and she did the uh, French on Cruz Desern fight and did a great job. I thought refing that bout. Um, so so that's so again to get back to what Eddie said when you're scoring a fight. It's the round. What happened in the round? Not the flash right. of what happened in the fourth round. Well, explain to me. It can how- spill over in that you may then be swayed right. by. And there's issues here with, are you scoring aggression? Are you scoring defense? Yeah. How you do know, you What score? are you seeing? And there are on those rounds where it's really, really close the judge makes their own call, if you will, in the sense of who, who is fighting, who's throwing the cleaner punches. Who's you can be aggressive and moving forward, but you're never hitting your target. Which is a lot of what happened with several rounds. Mm -hmm. Especially the later. So what are you saying that she was, she was missing because it turns out that like halfway through the power, the punches at the compu box was keeping track of by the end of the fourth or fifth round, Serrano's punch stats were up. If you follow those, those are also very subjective. It's some people sitting there pressing. But what are the judges? I'm asking, what are the judges? The judges are looking. Punches, effective aggressiveness, ring generalship, and defense. And judging it round round by round. If you win one round, it doesn't carry over to the The next next round. round. So that fifth round was obviously all Amanda Serrano. She hurt Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor was in a lot of trouble in that round. But even though Amanda Serrano probably won the sixth round, she seemed to punch herself out a little bit. And Katie, yep. seventh round, returned to boxing. And that she's far superior in terms of the boxing and the movement to Amanda Serrano, who was just more straightforward and pretty much doing the same thing right. every time. And that's when she took over again in the fight. And I also felt in the first few rounds, she was she was out landing with effective punches, particularly the right hand. She was more accurate and controlling the action more. It's not just going forward and throwing punches and, and missing. So I th- when you add it all up, you know, I think that it was definitely Katie Taylor's Katie Taylor's fight. It was a close fight, no question about it. And there was a t- t- tremendous amount of action because of the the two minute rounds. Right. They felt these two elite fighters they had to get it all done in a shorter time than male fighters have. That that can be debated, but that that was the, those are the rules for this fight. Everybody knew it. So there was a lot of action. He had to sort out a lot of activity for after after each round. 
So I could see there was some rounds that were close and some rounds that were not close. And so there, there is there are honest opinion. Jake Paul saying this is a robbery. It's utterly preposterous. We've all seen. Robbery. It wasn't a robbery. It, it was wasn't close, a robbery. Though. It was close, and you could you could see how someone might go the other way, depending upon what they're seeing, how they're viewing it. To me, Taylor was faster. She had a, a wider range of punches, and she had more ring savvy. Even on the back foot, she knew exactly what she was doing, and she was frustrating some. Serrano by having quicker movement, more lateral movement, getting out of the way, pot shotting her, getting out of the way, using aggression where she needed to. It's when she fought that she got into trouble and she even said it. Yeah, I love to fight. I got to get like, <laughs> they were yelling, at me, you know, she likes to mix it. Yeah. But, and it's where she got into trouble because she'll stand there and trade. But her strength is her speed, her accuracy her lateral movement, her ability to surround. That having been said, she got tagged. But I got to tell you, Amanda's face was bloody too. You know, she got cut. Oh, she kept getting cracked with that. I think it was She left. was getting <laughs> cracked. <laughs> you know, I mean, they were in a fight. You look at those two women. This was a fight. They were a in fight. a fight. Yeah, they, they were, were in, a, in a real fight. And they did themselves proud because they truly left everything, everything in, in the ring. The ring. Right. They understood the moment. They understood what it meant and they were there to represent and they did it beautifully and are a credit to the sport. It's what we should see more of in the sport. Absolutely. Well and done, ladies. So I, I, well I, I done. Wanna, I want to add a comment that the article that I just did on, on Patreon, where I made the case that this was a classic fight, but, yep. and I don't want to take in, what I have to say and what I try to do in the article, I don't want to take anything away from this fight. I called it an instant classic, a worthy front runner for 2022 fight of the year, not woman's fight of the year, fight, <laughs> fight of, of the year. Fight of the year. Right. Fight of the year. We're only in May, but you know, it's it, to me, it, it's the front runner. It elevated the status of women's boxing. All these, all these great things can be said about the fight. But there's one important fact that I haven't seen people really discussing in terms of reality. I was, I was looking on Twitter during the fight. Now, Twitter is the place where during fights and really sporting events in general, sports fans and journalists and athletes and the public relations flags and everybody uh, go to comment on what's right. been going on in there. And in the US, and this fight of course was in a, a garden with a huge crowd. It was in the top 30 trending. It was not, there was nothing about Taylor or Serrano or Taylor Serrano, even though there was a hashtag. And it wasn't because the people on Twitter aren't interested in boxing because around the same time at number one in the US trending on Twitter was Shakur for Shakur Stevenson, mm -hmm. who had a fight with dominant victory over Oscar Valdez that was shown on TV in the US. It was on ESPN and ESPN Deportes, and it was also streamed at the same time in their app ESPN Plus. And it had the reach 
So while that was that was a good fight, but it was not a great historic fight. It kind of coming out for Stevenson unifying uh, two of the junior lightweight belts and all that. Uh, th this fight between Taylor and Serrano was historic, but who saw it? And that has to do with the zone still being a very small niche uh, streaming service. And because the boxing hardcore people and the media love the fight, justifiably so, as I've said, that doesn't mean it really uh, had the same kind of impact with so many other people that's, that, that's out there that are not part of this small boxing bubble. So there's still a lot to go on and really says something about the zone. So that I, I don't think that the zone is something that is particularly viable at, you know, for a long period of time. And that's what happens when you put a, a fight on the zone. Yep. So I just want to throw that. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. I, I'll, and I'm going to close it by saying, you know, the, 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 the contradiction here though, for us in the women's boxing side is, the fact that they're the ones that are putting these fights together, they have a really great stable of fighters. Um, they have a fight on almost every, on every one of their cards. They're also in the United States showing all the golden boy fights and we're seeing great women's boxing there too. So it's, it's really a problem because if this is the only platform and there's only one way to see it and it's costing people 20 bucks a month or a hundred dollars a year, it, it it limits the opportunity, even though, you know, on the one hand, we're saying, hey, that's great. We got women's boxing and on a consistent basis, and we can really get behind as fans and support the careers of these amazing fighters that they're promoting. But at the same time, it's still, as you say, Eddie, very niche and very problematic because of that. Yeah. But it's growing. I think it'll get better. I don't know that it's going to get better. They're losing billions of dollars. Len Blavatnik, the billionaire investor, is pouring tons of his own money in. You're talking about the zone is losing money? The zone, yes. You, they tried to <laughs> buy BT Sport in the UK, which would give them access to the Premier League there, which would be a huge step forward. That's a, a TV, mainly a TV network, but that deal fell through. And what was trending also very highly during the fight in the US, the NFL draft. The NFL has rebounded the majority of the top 100 TV shows in the U.S., the vast majority, I don't know if it's 70-something percent of them are That's NFL huge. shows. People are people are watching that. I don't particularly watch it, but I don't it, watch it at all. It's, it's really rebounded with the general public because that's all on either broadcast TV or ESPN and some of it is streaming on Amazon. It's Amazon. very easy. Yeah, it's very easy, which has a huge audience. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to find. And this is not that uh, just a couple hundred thousand people in the U.S. subscribe to DAZN. They don't release the, the actual figures. And so DAZN is either going to have to merge with somebody, some bigger company or be bought out. Just, just like they've been trying to do with BT Sport or get more mainstream sports. But in the U.S., all those rights are locked up for NFL football, baseball, basketball, NHL hockey. They can't get those rights for many, many years. And 
It's a question how, and, and they've expanded internationally, but they don't have the major sports in the UK. They do in some countries like in, uh, in Italy and Spain and Germany, and I think Japan, but when they get those rights, they double and triple the fees. And now they're right. doing pay-per-views. This coming week, you have Canelo and Bavol. That's a disowned pay-per-view. It isn't even included in your regular monthly subscription. That's so, all right. It's Canelo. We paying for that shit, Eddie. <laughs> Canelo yeah. fighting. All right. We got all our right. next, right? Right. Right. We are. Listen, I was going to say, I know who could buy the zone. <laughs> Daniel Kennehan. Since him and his buddies are out buying websites and yeah, well, vodka they, don't have, they don't have access to that too much of that money anymore. Yeah. Because you I don't know if we could queue it up because of copyright, but you remember the old dragnet TV oh, show, yeah. the things on dum that would be good when you know on April eleventh there was a press conference in the US Department of the Treasury issued this press release. Treasury sanctions <laughs> notorious Kinahan organized crime group, Washington. Today, the U.S. Department of Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Council designated <laughs> the Kinahan organized crime group, along with seven of its key members, including its Irish leaders, Christopher Vincent Kinahan Sr., mm. Daniel Joseph Kinahan, Christopher Vincent Kinahan Jr., and three associated businesses pursuant to executive order 13581 blocking property of transnational criminal organizations as amended. Today's action is the result of close collaboration between the OFAC, the Drug Enforcement Administration, the U.S. Department of State, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, Ireland's National Police Force on Garda Shikona. I've learned how to pronounce that. Mm -hmm. The United Kingdom's National Crime Agency and the European Union Agency for Law Enforcement Cooperation. And this was followed up a little over a week later after their assets were frozen in these countries and a $5 million reward was put out for information on convicting Kinahan Sr., Daniel Kinahan and Kinahan Jr. He's holed up in Dubai in the United Emirates and they, probably because of pressure from the US and the EU, froze their assets also in Dubai. What? They yeah. froze their assets Get out there. of here. So they, they're oh. starting to cooperate because during the press conference, they specifically mentioned this is something that's very important to President Joe Biden of the United States. And I think the, the, the uh, monarchs in the UAE got the message that, look, if you want to have your country be treated more equally, have people go there as tourists, do business, invest, take investments from you and all of that. You can't be a safe haven for right. the Kenan organized crime group and their international drug trafficking, money laundering, uh, drug smuggling and murdering and all sorts of other associated activities. Exactly. And I'm, are the, my guess 
knowing a little bit about the UAE is that there are probably divisions within the, the ruling family about this because he's holed up in Dubai, but the capital of the UAE is Abu Dhabi, where there's a little bit less of this stuff going on. So we're going to see if they uh, allow here, if they extradite the Kinahans or if the Kinahans flee somewhere else or whatever, but the, the net is closing. And I really think it was a great job by the Irish mm -hmm. media for years and others. Uh, we've had our Nicola Talent and uh, Kieran Cunningham and many others have really been exposing uh, the Kinahans. BBC Panorama was a little late to the scene, but they had a really good documentary about a year or so ago. Year ago, yeah. And the, the net, his, his days are over. And of course, that's because of the Kinahan cuts feud and the, the role of the Kinahan group and other criminals in boxing is why there's no real professional boxing in Ireland, a great boxing country where, as you mentioned, Katie Taylor won a gold medal. The most medals that Ireland has gotten in the Olympics is, uh, is from boxing. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's, it's very popular there. Uh, the Kelly Harrington won a gold medal of representing Ireland at the, at the last Olympics. And because of the Kinahan Hutch feud and the something we've talked about, the 2016 Regency Hotel uh, shooting during a boxing weigh-in and all of that, you can't do it safely. So it's, it's obviously being natural to have Katie Taylor fight the, the rematch that everybody says they want with Amanda Serrano in Dublin. And they talked about Croke Park which seats over 80,000 people. It's a stadium that whole, that generally features Gaelic football and Gaelic sports and is huge. And everybody, you know, it's, everybody knows about it in Ireland. They probably could sell that thing out, but could they do it safely? That's the question. Well, that, that's still the question, but you know what I found the most interesting is all of a sudden, you know, we've been on, we've been talking about this for months, right? And how Bob Aram just says, oh, I don't see anything, you know, Kinahan assured me, you know, he had some troubles in the past, but he's a nice right. guy. And he even, what, a month ago, you had Mauricio Suleiman from WBC. He's like, oh, we're going to have a nice relationship in Dubai and really make that a center for boxing. And then now it's like, hamana, 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 oops, what's going on? You got exactly. Bob Arum saying, oh, oh, yeah, I did give him $4 million, but I'm cooperating with the police and now all of a sudden the u.s media has woken up in the last two weeks because they it's like all of a sudden they have permission to like stop hiding in plain sight with what everybody has been seeing with just how nefarious this gang is and how they've been trying to infiltrate boxing um and for they all they have infiltrated boxing yeah and have. for all their purported good works it's all about money laundering and, exactly. and a lot of other nefarious stuff so that's been a huge takeaway, you know, and then, of course, you had the Tyson Fury fight right after that. And he was shutting down the media when they started to try to ask him questions about his relationship with Kinahan. So, uh, I mean, th this is a really interesting unfolding story. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is it, Mike uh, McElvey? McLean? God, I'm misprint. Macklin, thank you. He uh, was supposed to be coming to the United States. He's the guy that was the original founder of MGM. Um, 
sports clubs down in, in Marbella, mm-hmm. Spain with Kinahan. He's been out of that business since around, you know, when they moved it over to MTK. He was supposed to be going to Las Vegas to report on the Shakur Stevenson fight for Sky News, Sky Sports, and was stopped at the airport and it was not allowed to come to the United States. So there is a lot of fallout happening. Oh, yeah. And it's really mixing up boxing. Um, We had the shuttering. We have the shuttering of uh, MTK Global with all of those fighters on their rosters. So gosh knows what's going to happen there and what that fallout is going to look like. So this is having a huge impact on boxing. It's an unfolding story. And as this is happening, people are also starting to kind of come up for air a little bit, a little less terrified of telling the truth of what's happening. So there have been some interesting, you know, shows and news articles about just how deep this um, Mm -hmm. corruption goes. And um, it's, it's, as I said, it's an unfolding story in terms of the relationship with boxing. And, And I just listened to crime world yesterday, Nicola talents show, uh, podcast, and she was talking with uh, a former reporter and now a pol- politician in Scotland, talking about the Kinahan's uh, infiltration into football, uh-huh. soccer in Scotland, and criminal enterprises in Glasgow. And he himself had been the subject of an acid attack in his home where his oh children were. So, I mean, these are bad people. Yeah. So um, the, the one great effect of this story unfolding and the United States commitment to getting this guy is the fact that it's allowing a little bit more air into the story to allow us to really see just how nefarious this mm-hmm. all is. And I'll just close by saying, you know, there's a, every possibility that if Kinnikan is finally caught that he won't go to Ireland, he'll come to the United States and be another Pablo Escobar. And we'll be trying. So we've got to take care of him. That's so crazy. It, you know, that, that's that crazy. was some of what's happening is that it might be that he will do that. All right, look, folks, we are going to have to wrap this up. At, uh, we're going to make sure that we do another segment on Mr. Kenahan because like you said, this is an ever unfolding story and uh, he's going to keep us busy <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Uh, Eddie, you got anything else you want to add before we close yeah, it out, brother? Yeah, yeah, just the, you know, criminals and organized crime in boxing is nothing new. And they're more easily able to get into boxing because there's no good governance, there's no central governance, that right. everything is scattered all over the place, different sanctioning bodies, right. different athletic commissions here and there. And even those don't, most of them don't do particularly good good job so uh, what's going to happen with boxing since the promoters and networks do not want and are really deathly opposed to some type of central body what you're going to have is boxing continue to deteriorate decline be marginalized become even more of a niche sport and at a certain point the network's already a lot of the networks already have said what do we need this crap for and they're going to just start saying forget it so right now they're on uh in the u.s disney's espn and 
They're also on uh, Sky, as you mentioned, in the UK, which is part of Comcast, NBC. So right. these networks are going to say, do we want to be associated with this stuff? So. Right. All right. Well, look, folks, that's all we have today. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, Melissa, you want to tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Sure, absolutely. At Girl Boxing Now on, on um, uh, Twitter and on Instagram. And plus, I have my, my blog, girlboxing.org. And thanks right. to all. That's right. That's right. Eddie, tell the people where they can find well, you. Well, for now, I'm on Twitter, but with uh, Ian Schmuck, Ian Schmuck <laughs> buying the thing, you know, that, that may change, but I'm at NHB News. And it's you can go to my website, eddiegoldman.com and subscribe to my mailing list and you can get the direct updates about my media work and things. And you can also subscribe to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash eddiegoldman, where I do have that, that latest article about uh, Taylor and Serrano and a lot more coming up. So that, that's right kind of where I am. Right on. Well, thank you guys. You guys can find me on Twitter at Angry Afro Radio on Instagram at Fight Goddess Fitness. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back sometime in the future. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Peace, love, and push up.